0: I'm Richard Woolley, Editor in Reorg's London office, and this week we're going to hear from Emerging Markets reporter Jack Lawrenson and financial analyst Nikhil Varsani about the latest situation in Ukraine. In particular, we're going to talk about the spread of sanctions against Russia and how these are affecting European companies, with particular reference to French engineering company Technip Energies. We're also going to check in with senior analyst Rob Summers for an update on British chicken producer Beau Jack, obviously things are changing all the time in Ukraine. Um, It might just be good to start with an update on what the latest is and uh, how this is impacting the market.
1: The situation has become existential for the companies that we cover in Ukraine, um, especially state-owned entities. They are basically in survival mode right now. Normal operations and the normal course of doing business in the country is practically suspended, um, and these companies are now... All of them are playing some kind of role in protecting and defending the country, whether that's keeping the trains running for refugees and soldiers, or keeping the lights and the heating on, or producing food and making sure that it's kept on the shelves. Um, This is the reality in Ukraine right now. And yes, we are seeing the impact of this war spread beyond Ukraine's borders too, wave after wave of sanctions and restrictions on Russia is having an impact Um, and Russia is introducing its own currency controls and export controls. Um, All of this is leaving the companies that we look at in Russia, um, as well as the Russian people, they look more isolated than at any time since the Soviet Union.
0: Right, and we're now seeing European companies getting caught up in the sanctions even if they're not directly sanctioned themselves. Can you talk to us a little bit about Technip Energies?
1: Yeah, so we've um, started coverage on a number of situations that have heavy exposure to Russia or they have uh, projects in Russia that could um, leave them exposed to possible uh, more sanctions on Russian entities or individuals, um, even if these companies are not directly at risk themselves of sanctions. We have to keep in mind that um, over a thousand entities or people now, are sanctioned in Russia by the U.S., EU or UK. Um, it's becoming a very, very hard place to operate and do business. Technip Energies is just uh, one example because about 35% of their revenue last year came directly from Russia.
0: And what's Technip doing in Russia that's causing this concern?
1: So its main commitment there is a major engineering project in the Russian Arctic, uh, up in the top of Western Siberia, uh, which it's undertaking jointly with the Italian oil field services company SAPEM, by the way. The project is a liquefied natural gas venture called Arctic LNG2, and it's 60% owned by a company called Novatech private company in Russia uh, but it's under U.S. sectoral sanctions and they could face further restrictions in the future. And Novatec's CEO and largest shareholder is the Russian oligarch Leonid Mikkelsen who has ties to Vladimir Putin and is also a frequent business partner of Hennady Timchenko who is one of Putin's favourite oligarchs. Um, Mikkelsen himself isn't under sanctions yet but he is on a... It's a de facto shortlist of targets for future Western sanctions.
0: Okay, so if the Arctic LNG project and Novatech itself you know, isn't under sanctions, and Europe still needs to import natural gas, what's stopping Technip from moving ahead with this?
1: So the threat of um, further restrictions sanctions um, as well as reputational risk to the company they're likely to be factors that um, Technip Energies will be considering at the moment but so too will questions over the viability of this uh, project it's a 21 billion dollar venture and the financing of it is starting to seem less clear as well I mean, since the war in Ukraine started we've seen some investors start to get cold feet the Italian state lender for example Casa Depositi e Prestiti, and the Russian arm of another Italian bank in Tessa San Paolo, they're both reported to have pulled out their financing for the project. Now, Novatec has 60% of the shares in this venture. Chinese investors have 20%, so it's possible that Russians, the Russians will start to look um, towards China for more investment, basically to bail out the project. But... Um, but European involvement in this venture uh, and many others like it throughout Russia, it's starting to look really difficult.
0: And uh, just to get a sense of the scale of this problem, how many other cases like this are there in Russia at the moment, do you think?
1: I mean, there are do- dozens of situations like this um, and there's been an exodus of Western companies from Russia in, in recent weeks. Uh, those that have stayed behind or have contracts and commitments in Russia I think they will be looking very closely right now at a possible reputational risk um, and also exposure to an unprecedented amount of western sanctions that may get worse before it it gets better.
0: Nikhil Vasani is the financial analyst looking at Technip Energies and I asked him for a little bit more information on the financial implications of the Russian exposure and how it might affect the company in future.
2: From a bond pricing perspective, Technip has seen its 2028 senior unsecured notes fall by about five to six points to 89 since the first week of March, and they're now yielding about 3%. The bond was about 101 in mid-January. As of year-end 2021, Russia accounted for about 35% of Technip's 6.7 billion euro revenue, and management say that this exposure is to reduce to 20% for full year 2022. Some investors noted that the reduction in revenue from Russia may be more gradual since the construction projects are typically long-term in nature. Russia's Russian contribution towards Technip's 16.4 billion euro backlog was estimated at about 23%, much of which is related to the Arctic LNG2 project. In 2020 and 2021, Technip's order intake from Russia had had been no more than 6-8% of total orders. Which Technip said it believes will naturally lead to a diminishing exposure to the region. Arctic LNG 2 remains a large project of Russian operations, and the company has said it remains confident in continuing with and delivering the project. That being said, Technip did provide revenue and EBIT guidance for fiscal year 2022, excluding the contribution from projects in Russia. The company's forecast for 2022 adjusted revenue is between 5 billion and 5.5 billion euros, which excludes an estimated 1.4 billion euro contribution from Russian projects. It also said recurring adjusted EBIT margin is forecast to be at least 6.5% for the year, which excludes an estimated EBIT contribution of less than 70 million euros from projects in Russia.
0: Alongside companies that are dealing directly or indirectly with Russian sanctions are many, many more companies that are being affected by the fallout of the invasion for the international markets, including, for example, the impact on commodity prices. But Parin is one such company. I asked Rob Summers for
3: the latest. We see Boperon facing a liquidity crisis over the coming quarters as the UK chicken producer faces skyrocketing input costs. The group has always had really thin margins Its coal poultry business operates in a really tough market And we expect these margins to come under more pressure. Boparan has a really simple capital structure consisting of 525 million pounds of senior secured notes due in late 2025 and 90 million of super senior facilities, which includes an 80 million RCF. So there's no immediate maturities, but a liquidity crunch or an RCF covenant breach could trigger a restructuring. Management set the bar really high in 2020 when it refinanced the group's cap stack off of pro forma EBITDA of 135 million pounds. However, due to Brexit and COVID related inflationary pressures, LTM EBITDA fell to 76 million in July last year and was only 62 million in October. And the group's latest EBITDA margin was only 2.4%. So Boperon was already facing headwinds last year and in November, it agreed to a 50 million tap of its senior secured notes and a new 10 million super senior term loan B, which maxed out its super senior debt capacity. It also agreed at the time with lenders to lower the 75 million minimum EBITDA covenant in its RCF to 50 million for the quarters that ended October 2021 and January 2022. Proceeds from the new money were used to repay the RCF.
0: Okay, and what's happened since that's affected the company?
3: Of course, at the end of last year, the world wasn't expecting Russia to launch a full blown invasion of Ukraine, and the company had forecast a rebound in EBITDA to coincide with the reinstatement of normal covenant test levels in the first half of 2022. Now you have massive commodity price inflation. Russia and Ukraine account for about one third of global wheat exports, and Boparon has come out warning about potential hyperinflation, especially as concerns chicken feed, a key input. Now, doing the analysis is tricky. Boparon doesn't break down its costs or hedges but we can only see downward pressure on already low margins especially as the group is not likely to be able to be able to pass on price increases i mentioned that there are two triggers to restructuring one of these a covenant breach is unlikely because i don't see the banks wanting to own this business they're already super senior in the structure and there's no reason to tip it over of course they may restrict access to the rcf what's more likely is that bopron faces a liquidity crisis on march 23rd the reporting results but that's only to cover the period to the end of January. So recent pressures may not be explicitly covered. And if Boparan reported first quarter margins in the three months to October of 1%, then I don't see levels being any higher than this today. The tricky thing is that annual cash interest costs are about £42 million pounds, and capex is between 40 to 50 million. So even before accounting for taxes and pension scheme costs, and assuming flat working capital flows, Boparan needs to generate annual EBITDA of about £80 million. Pounds. It's also worth noting that capex for this business is really important because it needs to spend on automation to catch up with the margins of its peers, which are much less labour-intensive.
0: So what do you think the size and the timing
3: of any cash need is? It's unclear, but a liquidity crunch is likely to hit in the coming months. The question is, how would new money be structured? The group's net leverage is already too high at more than eight times, and there's no more super senior capacity left. Money could come in on a structurally senior basis, for example, outside the restricted group, but the situation may be too risky for lenders, particularly given Boberon's cash burn. To save money, noteholders may agree to be paid at least partially in kind, but that doesn't address the cap stack. So some level of equitization is likely. Then again, the current shareholder who built the business won't want to give up control, and I'm not sure that bondholders would actually want to control the business. So I think you may end up with some level of equitization that would give bondholders a minority stake. This would right-size the cap stack and at least partially ease liquidity issues.
0: As always, more information on all of the situations discussed in this podcast is available on our website, reorg.com. Also available is a replay of our March 16th webinar on Sure Flexibles, with three of our in-house experts taking a deep look at the Austrian Flexible Packaging Group, which is trying to put its embezzlement issues and accounting irregularities behind it while looking to grow back into its capital structure. Our European webinar programme continues next week as we are joined by partners Fiona Huntress and Matthew Getz from law firm Palace LLP to examine the effect of UK and EU sanctions on the obligations owed by borrowers to Russian lenders. Join us for that at 11 o'clock London time on March the 24th. We'll be back soon with another reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.